Collider says BritBox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey and Matthew McFadden. Discover new BritBox original series you won't find anywhere else. Like Three Little Birds, Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy and a new chapter of BAFTA winning drama, Time. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O C-O. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Do we want to start with the incredibly controversial topic that we wanted to talk about before the show that we were talking about before the show about how none of us see OJ on screen, we only see Nordberg? Is that what you want to do? You want to start the show with that conversation? Is that how we should start the show when I mean, we believe that you could separate the murder from the Nordberg by just calling him Nordberg? Well, that's what we're starting the show with because you know what I'm about to do? Start the show. <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. Oh, my God. Are you feeling loosey-goosey? You got your sweatpants on and your Ugg shoes because it's relaxed fit week. That's what it is. Thanks, oh. everyone, for listening to our Heaven's Gate episode. Oh my we got God. episode 400 coming up next week. It's going to be fucking gigantic. But uh, as such, we need a little bit of time for preparation. So here's a relaxed fit week. Indeed, it will oh. be mind-blowing. I want to thank the good person <laughs> who made the meme with Bob Barker saying, make sure to get your cult leaders, make sure to get your cult members spayed and neutered because I stand by that and I almost think we should end every episode with make sure to get your cult members spayed and neutered we're we're not allowed to force them anymore have a skate show that you can make them make the decisions for themselves Mm -hmm. which is I think technically the art of the deal it really is so were there any did we get any pushback from the uh, from the heavens gate I feel like there was no usually there's always someone being like well actually there was there there was what Ever, but I feel like everything was pretty much right. They, we we did our job. I do believe. I know that there's another massive Heaven's Gate podcast that was like a ten parter podcast that was done. Mm. I think it's just called Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. That's like the closest thing that I got pointed t- towards us. But it's more. It's it's very much so focusing on the lives of the other members, and we were more delving into the mind of Marshall Applewhite. Right. I'm sure there's many things to be gleaned from there. But we got uh, we got a lot of great emails mm-hmm. of people saying stuff being like like the pictures outside of the San Diego house where they were all dead which is fun <laughs> to have our listeners just outside just taking pictures inside of this just random person's home mm-hmm. right well that's the question um do you first of all if you are one of our listeners do not hunt whoever lives there with their camera <laughs> outside like your pecker in a John Waters movie just I'm leave them alone not to though because I did it for years and yeah. I still do it what did you do for years I look in famous, quote-unquote, famous homes 
all the time. I look in the windows. I look in the trash. <laughs> when I'm did you do that? Back in the day, I definitely did it, especially when I did my own true crime walkthrough for the when I did it for last podcast. <laughs> That's right. And Henry's then, Hollywood Adventure. <laughs> That's right. And then I've done it separately with other friends where you go and you looky-loo and also. So Natalie and I still go and do that. Every time we're on tour when, where there's a scary place or there's like a true crime locale, Nat and I go see it. Mm. Well, but does someone still live there? Always. Huh. No kidding. Well, that does beg the question. Do you think that the price of the house went up, the the price of the Heaven's Gate suicide home, did it go up or did it go down? Always goes down. Although yep. nowadays they have that murder flip house, which we brought into reality. Yeah. You're welcome, world. Not sure if you should be thanking us, but whatever. <laughs> um, I think nowadays, whoever lives there, you got to flip it. Because that's big time. Put a museum. Why make it a cult museum? That could be a very good place for one. Interesting. Well, I mean, museums made out of murder houses. It's definitely been tried in the past. Remember, they were going to do it with Ed Gein's house, but (sighs) the townsfolk burned it down rather than let that happen. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to a town when the townsfolk burn down the home of their most nefarious killer. Nothing bad could ever happen. That doesn't put a curse on your whole town. You know, I think that if more cult leaders... I know. I think of more people who had these types of true crime properties went more in the angle of Roswell, what Roswell did with the alien mm-hmm. kind of pop culture movement where they embraced it. Go for classless. Screw your neighbors. Your house had 39 people commit suicide in it. You put a Heaven's Gate roller coaster on that property. There, it's gonna just going straight up and then straight down, like just one big, and then it like it releases everybody. You have to put the frocks on them. Uh-huh. That'd be incredible. Just stay tasteless. So yeah. you want them to do what Ernest P. Whirl did with his Halloween house? You just want to make <laughs> it an tasteless. adventure park? Yes. Well, uh, I know uh, the Museum of Death, if, the, if those of you who live out in L.A., if you've never been there or before. Or New Orleans as well. I or went to the one in New Orleans. The New Orleans one is also cool, but the one in L.A., they actually have a little Heaven's Gate room. where They were able to get a hold <sighs> of one of the bunk beds, and they also have a, a very tasteless display of all of various Heaven's Gate artifacts. But yeah, if you're out there in Los Angeles, go check it out at the uh, Museum of Death. Very cool. I've heard a little birdie. Uh, I heard a rumor that I think it might be closing. Museum of Death, Museum of Death in L.A. So if you are in L.A. and it's still open, go and support them before it's over because it's such an incredible resource. If anybody over at the Museum of Death listens, we'd love to figure out how we could help. At least keep a pop-up open or something. Absolutely do, Brian. If you're listening, send me an email and we'll figure it out. Of course, and uh, we would love to do a Patreon interview with you as well. We've done that with people who collect things of the macabre uh, before, and that'll be very exciting. Speaking of Patreon, on last week's Side Stories, Henry missed the Super Bowl, and we were talking about why he missed the Super Bowl. It's because he needed to eat banana cream pudding. That's not a joke. (laughs) That is Henry's reality. It's not just the Super Bowl. Remember, it is the last four minutes of the Super Bowl, one of the best Super Bowls. Uh, in 20 years, and I he don't got opted. a crystal ball. I don't. Have, I didn't bring my tarot deck. You could infer. To know. You could infer from the way the game was being played that the last four minutes were going to be very important to the rest. The, he couldn't even infer that came the, out of my mouth. Literally, the words that came out of my mouth with four minutes in, four minutes to the end, ten minutes left, t- four minutes left, ten points. They the four were winning by ten points. I literally looked at it. I said. Their spirits are broken. Let's go, Natalie. Let's sleep. I like. I said the words like I, I was completely wrong. I got my. I secured my bag. Yes. I got my banana pudding. 
I took it to the car and I consumed it as fast as humanly possible. Now, maybe this uh, maybe this question has been asked already on side stories, but I'm curious, what was Natalie doing while you were consuming the banana pudding? Uh, she just stared forward. <laughs> Great. She just stared forward. She supported me. She had her, you know, like, what is she going to do? I mean, I'm driving. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's called <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. So because uh, Henry loves pudding so much and he loves, you know, reading news of the macabre, there will be a new Patreon bonus episodes. They won't be that long, maybe five or ten minutes. Uh, put What is it? Pudding time with Henry? Well, I, I, we'll see what comes out. I was going to keep it as a low-level surprise uh, oh. and see whether or not I'll be doing more pudding content. Well, I think now we have to make that a reality. So it's a different pudding every every time you record. I want a different pudding because it's half about the pudding review. I know, but I can't be having this much pudding on a regular basis. I need I need to like I can't. There's no you can't go and put kosis. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like you can't just eat pudding until your body shifts in a new place where you're living a healthier life. It's not like keto. Well, no. Do bi-weekly. How's about that? You can t- you can stand a cup of pudding every other week. Even hey, less. Hey, man. I didn't even finish the entire... Th- well, no, this banana pudding, I really went to town on it because it was <laughs> real good. But now that it isn't like bananas. Uh, uh-huh. The banana pudding is my favorite pudding, you know. I'm, Me too. I'm a Texas boy, so of course I love good banana pudding. Mm-hmm. See, this is why everyone's like, oh, I want to start a podcast. What do I talk about? Well, there you go. Pudding. Now, if you want One- some good pudding in Abilene, Texas, head on over to Betsy Rose's Barbecue. They got the Honestly- best banana pudding in the whole town. Really? We at least are not a part of the novelty podcast movement. There are so many of these novelty podcasts, but you can't even get one going now if you're if an amateur podcaster dude in a pudding podcast. It has to be like Glenn Close <laughs> or something. Now now they're having people show like Helen Mirren's going to have a pudding contest next week. Who fucking knows with this shit? Oh my goodness. Well, she is beautiful uh, at any age. Dare I say more beautiful now than she ever has been. A little bit later on in this episode, Henry is going to... Er, Marcus, rather, is going to tell us a tale of Myrdair, so it won't all be pudding talk, folks. No, no. But we will get to a black metal murder here coming up in the very near future, so make sure you stick around for that. Dissection. Dissection. Can I talk about this thing that I became obsessed with that Natalie sent me? Well, I had one question. Is Nordberg Jewish? (laughs) Now, that I don't know, and that does beg the question, um, how much can you laugh with Nordberg in the Naked Gun before you're being insensitive to the Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman families? I God, that shot when he in in number it's two right when he's in the wheelchair and he goes down the steps. That's one. I mean, that's the best. That's it's really funny. When he gets shot on the boat, I love you. Was it I love you? <laughs> I forget the name of the boat. I think it was I love you. Uh-huh. And when he gets shot like 10 times and, and then ends up like. Yeah, with it, you know, he gets, uh, you know, his head bonked. He gets, you know, he accidentally gets uh, pushed up against a, a wall of fresh paint. Like that, we, we, me, you, and Eddie have had many a conversation about the funniness of that scene. But now that I think about it, why did we even have a trial in Los Angeles for the murder of? Of those two innocent people, we should have just enacted all the naked gun comedic scenes, but in real life. Because then you could just shoot him a bunch, put the wedding cake out there, have him burn his hand. If that all happened to him, if you went down, if he spelunked down that hill, remember that entire scene where mm-hmm. he was just, that was like 20 that, minutes in the movie. That he was, was in just, two and a half. That was in two and a half. Yeah. If we Still really haven't just, answered my question. What? Is he Jewish? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I <sighs> seem to remember a joke in 33 and a third of him being Jewish. Ah. Uh, okay. Not good. Mm-hmm. I'm just checking. 
That's good. As we learned in Uncut Gems, there's a lot of African-American Jewish folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, Amari Stoudemire. He was a New York Nick, a great Phoenix son, a horrible New York Nick. But he is also Jewish, so it is possible that Norberg is Jewish as well. Quite possibly. I don't know. Either way, we should have done it. You know what? And if he is, it makes me like him better. Absolutely. Nordberg. (laughs) Nordberg. Separate OJ from Nordberg. Separate the art from the artist. In this case. (laughs) Now. Before I interrupted myself, I okay. got really into this concept of what is what is known as large group awareness training. Natalie sent me this Wikipedia page of this group called Leadership Dynamics, also known as Leadership Dynamics Institute, Ugh. which was a private for-profit company. It was owned by this guy named William Penn Patrick, who's one of those old school, like, Carnegie style. Americans need to be stalwart of spirit. Need to look forward and drag their drag their fellow man into the future. Like really, sure. really intense people who believe that using strict behavioral control, they could inspire business executives to work at higher levels uh-huh. within MLMs. These what is it? That's a ma- the multi level marketing, marketing. <sighs> right? And so they ran for this program called the. They, he co ran. Leadership Dynamics Institute with this very fuzzy little company called Holiday Magic, which was just a makeup company like uh, Avon, uh-huh. where you buy in, you get a series of makeups, but you also have to hire people. The idea is that you're also you're proselytizing while you're selling makeup. It's, it's so a it's pyramid got, scheme. It's got vague pyramid schemes things yeah. going on. There's pyramid elements. Right. And so what they started doing is these large, they started doing these large group awareness training sessions. Okay. Where People that were in the upper management of these pyramids, they, in order to get the promotions that they were supposed to do, they would have to go. At the, basically, they were forbidden to reach a certain level within the company unless they went and attended one of these Leadership Dynamics Institute's group meetings, these mm-hmm. kind of these classes that they have to go take. Now, all of this is completely true. Now, this happened in the in 1960s up to 1973, where they'd go to these, these kind of remote locations and have three or four days, like kind of like a lock-in, where they are going to go and they are going to do kind of group classes during the day, and they all stay together at night. Mm-hmm. It costs $1,000 per person, and it was n- no refunds. You have to pay for this, and so you're locked in. You have to do it in order to stay within the company. 1960s money, what would that be? 10K by today's dollars? Uh, c- quite a bit, large yeah. amount. So they show up thinking it's like this normal process. So th- th- this is very – there was a movie based on this called The Circle of Power hmm. uh, that is absolutely uh, fascinating. And there's a lot of dick in it. There's a lot of fat man dick in it. Really? Hmm. Uh, but So they show up. They're not supposed to know anything about how LDI works because it's supposed to be super secretive because you're not only supposed to get the secrets when you arrive for training. And so the way this book goes out, there was an uh, out-of-print book called The Pit. A Group Encounter Defiled by Gene Church and Conrad D. Carnes, right? That is about this very specific group where a guy showed up mm-hmm. to like to the training. So he was told, he was forced by his boss. In order to get his promotion, he had to go to this group training. So he sees his buddy, Bill Schwartz, show up. And he's got a fucking black eye. And they ask him, like, what's wrong? What's going on? He's like, ha, huh, nothing. He's like, how was the training session? Because he did this training session the week before. He's like, you really got to... See for yourself, buddy. Whoa. And she was like, okay, what are you doing here? Why are you taking it again? He's like, they've asked me to come back and replace one of the assistants that they have in here. I have to, I, we have to, we're supposed to replace them. 
uh, and, and I'm just going to step in and do it for the day. And he's like, it's like, okay. So they go into this room. This is the first day. The first night's totally normal. Everybody's hanging out, partying, doing whatever, kind of like having those like work trip and kind we of know, liaisons. Uh, Henry and I, we were in, yes. uh, where the Toronto. hell were In Toronto. We were just at the hotel bar mm-hmm. and there was a conference that weekend and it was the first night of that conference. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I don't know how any of them lived till the next day because they those corporate execs hammered, woo, grinding on each other. I, there were a couple, you knew HR like had a busy morning <laughs> on that Friday morning. We were all over each other. We I, saw a few like, whoa. I was in an elevator with those people and it was something else. And I believe they worked at Chase Bank. I, it was a bank. I think so. I remember one guy was so fucked up because we came back from the show in Toronto. One of the guys was so fucked up that he tried joining the three of us having a conversation because he thought that we were a part of his conference. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, and he's like, he's just hanging around. He just was, because he was blackout. Yeah. Oh, and they he were- just straight up, he had no clue where the hell his room was. He had no idea what was going on. So that happened the first night. Okay, so they're just getting hammered, having a good time. So they arrived to the first class, 24 men, men only. They're all in this kind of this gym room. They arrived to a gigantic gymnasium type place or slash conference room that has a coffin in it, a giant crucifix with a noose hanging from it, a cage, this big dog cage, and a podium wrapped in silk with a genie's lamp on top of it. Right? So they walk through this. They have no clue what's going on. This guy, Ben Gay is his name, the head instructor. He walks in. Total silence. So he walks in. Everybody kind of sitting, milling around. The first thing he does is, you will stand up when I enter this room. Damn, so I almost stood up right now, and I know you're just—I know that you're just channeling him. He, he resets it up. They all stand up. They're like, okay, because they all had to sign these release forms as soon as they walked in. Oh, a lot of red flags here. So this came. This is an excerpt from the book. This is from Ben Gay. This is how it starts. You may have noticed some of the things here in the center of the room that drew a ripple of laughter from the other instructors. I'd like to take a moment to explain what they are and how we might possibly use them. You see before you a coffin. It's open. Coffins are used to bury people in. It's possible that here in this class, we might have one, two, or more people who are already dead. Just don't know about it yet. If we find someone like that, we're going to put them inside of this coffin. I'm going to leave them inside there for as long as it takes for them to realize how much it means for them to be alive. You might have noticed this cage. It might well be that there are people in this room who feel like they are living in cages. They feel penned up inside themselves. We we found through experience that by physically putting someone inside this cage and confining them for long periods of time, if necessary, they grow to appreciate the value of the freedom that they already possess. They grow up understanding how much they had before they spent time in this cage. And for those of you that felt at times that you've been persecuted for whatever reason, whether Uh on your job or by your wife or your friends, we're going to let you see what persecution really is. We have a large wooden cross here. It is about eight feet by five feet wide. And it wouldn't surprise me if before we finish, one or more of you in this room will have the opportunity to test this cross and see what it feels like to hang on it. You'll also notice a hangman's noose, and I'll tell you what, I'll just let your imaginations work on what we might do with that one. (laughs) Well, it's it's pretty simple to understand, I think. But he had a riding crop and a stick. 
Did did he on go his to, person? Did he? This go is to, a this is a mandatory business meeting. Did he go to like Jigsaw Business College? <laughs> Why is he making people go through hell so they can feel alive for the first time? It's about scouring your soul of all non-truths. But what does this have to do with selling makeup? At one point, aren't you just there and be like, so what does this have to do with rouge? I've been working on all my different lipstick colors, different shades of red. I have a full... Well, Holiday Magic was just a part of the company uh, that was over, that, that was kind of the huge umbrella of this entire operation. I've got two questions, Henry. One, is Ben Gay an alias, or was I, that his I, real I, name? I think... I think it was a real name. Okay. And two, what about the genie's lamp? Got right here. <laughs> so the genie's lamp, the silver chalice is what he called it. Uh-huh. He said it represents the truth. The truth. He said, imagine that this room were filled from floor to ceiling, wall to wall with shit. And the chalice was somewhere inside. Wait, hold on one second, sir. So I'm supposed to imagine the floor also has shit on it because then am I stepping in the fake shit or just... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, man. Your goal is to find it. Chances are strong that when you open the door, you wouldn't even think about entering a room full of shit. This is what happens to people when they look for self honesty. Man, now that I think about it, that shining scene instead of... The purpose of LDI and what we're going to do is not only help you get into that room, but to physically force you inside the room and keep you there until you find the chalice, no matter how long it takes, and bring it out with you to act as a guiding light for you for the rest of your life. And so he starts walking out of the room. So remember, Bill from the previous session is just sitting in a chair. With a right? black so eye. So Ben walks over to the man. He's like, if it is necessary for us to simply pat you on this, uh, pat you on the back for you to find honesty with yourselves, what do you think we'll do? The class responded, pat him on the back. And Ben patted one of the assistants on the back. He's like, is it necessary to, if it's necessary to kiss someone on the top of his head to make him honest, what will we, what will we do? Uh-oh. Kiss him on the head. Sure. He goes and he kisses the other assistant on the top of the head. Okay. It's like, if it's necessary, gentlemen... For us to beat the shit out of someone until he can't think straight enough to lie. What do you think we're going to do? Uh, we Class don't talk about done. Fight Club. We don't, I thought the first rule was we don't fight. talk about Fight Club. Listen, goon. Listen, here's your yeah. chickens will be distributed Is later. Is there still shit on the ground? <laughs> I need you to focus. Okay. And so it's like, and so the whole class goes, beat the shit out of him? That's right, he says. And he punches Bill. In the face. Literally dead punches him in the face at the very top of the meeting. And he walks up, and he's just like, I'm going to let you guys know. If you leave this room, so, uh-huh. we, he's, so he sets this all up, saying, if you leave this room, you forfeit $1,000. And so what we're doing is we're signing partners to everybody. Everybody's now, everybody's now in twos. And if you leave, your partner also has to leave and lose $1,000. And you're going to lose your status within this building, right? You're going to lose your, sta- you're gonna lose your status within this company. He's saying this whole time that Holiday Magic and the leadership dynamics, uh, that Holiday Magic and the LDI are separate. He keeps Uh saying they're separate. They are not separate. They all are co-run. It's all one big giant company. And they all signed this release where they just straight up gave him total allowance to do whatever they want. He then goes on to tell them that they know the emergency room people and that the emergency room people for Palo Alto, where they're close to, is very used to setting bones for them. And they've had one person accidentally die during the training. (laughs) Doesn't seem so accidental. So did did it work? 
Did they sell more makeup than anyone else? Because I think no, Ava- they got sued out of existence. Ah, <laughs> that makes more sense. Uh, but so over the next four days, they will do some of the most brutal shit. One of the fat members of the group, the, the one guy that was the heaviest, oh. they stripped him nude. No. All of them making fun. It's my character from fucking boardroom. The old murder fist sketch. Which you can yes. find on YouTube. They stripped him nude and made fun of how, how could he even fuck with his gut. And they're all like slapping his gut. He made people get him slap his gut. They beat him with a stick. They put him inside the dog cage where they then covered him in food slop. Uh, like a piggy. He's like, this is how piggies eat. This is what piggies do. They made them all do burpees all day, do these visualizations. <laughs> no, 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 no. Burpees? What are you talking about? That's didn't? when you go down and you have to come, you have to pop back up. It's called a burpee. You got to go on all fours, pop back up. It's, uh, a, it's a three-part process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, the call them, we call them squat thrusts. That sounds so much more erotic than burpees. But <laughs> okay, you were conceived, Marcus. I, but this, what I just became, fa- I just became fascinated with this. Watch the movie Circle of Power because it does a lot. It breaks down what was in this book. And guys were hung on cru- crucifixes for hours, where they were tied up to the crucifix, uh-huh. uh, and they were beaten with sticks, beaten with riding crops, and all of this was the idea was because the, the way they start this whole process is being like you're gonna lie despite yourself. You're mm-hmm. going to lie about your honesty because it was all about scouring yourself. It was getting rid of all your hang-ups, getting mm-hmm. rid of all of your... Because what, ta- what it takes to be a truly clear-headed pioneer of business is total clarity. It sounds to me a little bit like Wolf of Wall Street meets Lord of the Flies. Yeah. It's a little bit Jordan Belfort-esque. You're just trying to figure out how to get the most out of people. I would say covering them in human slop like they're a member of the old tag team. The Godwins probably isn't the best idea. As a matter of fact, uh, there was just a WWE match, a dog food match that was with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, and they put a bunch of dog food on Baron Corbin. I don't know if they thought about this, but it looks like human shit. Dog food. I remember when they used to bury Stone Cold Steve Austin alive. You, but he was never <laughs> buried alive, but yes, indeed. Or at so, least The Undertaker attempted it many times. He did, many, many times. But, you know, I guess you got to try to bring the best out of people in different kind of ways, although this just doesn't seem like it, uh, it would well, work it, at all. It, it, it really sounds, didn't. It sounds to me what they were trying to do is cr- create the kind of sociopaths that make the most successful CEOs in business. This might be where Martin Scarelli, his dad, found his future. Well, I guess there are no women there. Yeah. But it seems like a thing that Martin Scarelli would really enjoy. The farmer bro, of course. If you look up William Penn Patrick, he wrote this booklet called Happiness and Success Through Principle. That is one of those very right-wing leaning concepts about the idea about the self-made man. And what it takes to be the self-made man. And it is, it is a very extreme point of view. But all of this was the end of what's essentially what they call the human potential movement. This is the, the, from the 1960s where they, people were very into this idea of kind of it's, – the concept is it's cognitive therapy, which is that people can change their lives by interpreting the way they view external circumstances. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying – Bl- instead of blaming things on things outside of yourself, it's all about 
putting all the blame on yourself and trying to figure out how do I get the most out of me, which is they, they, there's a bunch of people that study. They didn't believe that human beings were only living up to 10% of their potential, which just kind of came out of it, which is what's been skewed. But the, with the fake term that we only use 10% of our brains, that is not real. It was, it was a, a weird deformed version of this, this idea that we only are living up to 10% of our potential just in our lives. Believe it or not, folks, this is humans at 100%, baby. <laughs> we are, I almost, I wish we were only using 10% so we had a potential of 90% growth, mm-hmm. but we are, we're maxed out. We're firing yep. all, on all cylinders Our, here. This is Our, the most we can do. <laughs> we nailed we, they, it. Uh, we, but they, obviously, they closed leadership dynamics once it was sued out of fucking existence. And what, you can see how it ends in the book, in the movie Circle of Power. I wish I could get a copy of the book. A group encounter defiled, but it's out of print. But well, the, if- they, they called it the pit because what they would do when they sensed dishonesty, they got to you, they got people so worked up that there were people on the side of the instructors as well. Well, that's what I was so- going to ask. There must have there's there's always that one stooge. Mm-hmm. There's always a Briscoe dude. Where that's an old WWE reference, Gerald Briscoe. But there's always someone. Who is just like I'll take the fir- I'll punch him first, and they yep. just like love it. Those those people tend to become senators. <laughs> they tend to become <laughs> very powerful. You develop these little mini cults, yeah. temporary cults, almost in in this area. But I I now know that they are large group awareness training sessions that don't involve beating everybody. But this is at the peak of peak of its most extreme. Right. And the reason why they had the pit was that when they believe when one person would call out another person, they'd form the pit, which Ugh. was the center between all of them, where they would beat the fuck out of each other. And of course, if you want to go to one of those training sessions now, you can sign up for UCB improv classes, <laughs> uh, one through five. I mean, they will teach you how to lead. Mm-hmm. And You're indeed, they are too pay- weak to use corporal punishment. Well, this is very much like the corrective areas for Scientology when they. Do you remember when they tied all of the different trailers together and, and the weird office parks where they made, put people in trash cans mm-hmm. and dumped cold water all over each other? David yeah. Miscavige is, I would I would almost pay to get screamed at him, though, just to experience that kind of rage and energy because he's so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If you want a great example of that, Justin Trudeau's uh, my Scientology movie does mm-hmm. a good job. Also, on last week's side stories, or I guess this week's side stories, rather, we talked about the Monday, I Hate Monday's Killer. That's Brenda Brenda Spencer. She's a golden girl. She's over 55. So I said we were going to get a little bit more insight on the music because, mm-hmm. of course, Marcus has a great music podcast, No Dogs in Space, and oh, yeah. you know all about Bob Geldof's uh, very bizarre, very bizarre work. Tell me uh, why. We'll talk about that in one second. <laughs> but before we get to that, here's one piece of information about Miss Spencer you may not have known. Yes, at 16, she said she hated the police. Yes, she said she wanted to go on a rampage and kill a bunch of people. But she also won first prize in the Humane Society competition for photography. Yeah. So there you go. She had a lot of talent in photography, and she should have just done that uh, as opposed to uh, sniping a bunch of kids. Well, You're right. But yeah, she didn't actually kill any kids. She um, sniped eight. Uh, she definitely hit eight, eight, but she, the only people she killed, she killed the principal and the janitor who were trying to get the kids out of the way. Oh. I guess they were 
I mean, to put it very crudely, I mean, larger targets. Uh, So she was able to hit them a lot easier. But she was sniping from her house across the street from the elementary school. And she was using a rifle that her father had bought for her for Christmas when she had asked for a radio. He instead bought her a (laughs) fucking Ruger semi-automatic 22 rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition. Wait a second. She asked for a radio? She asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. That was the, that's the quote from her because she said that her father was trying to get her to kill herself. What? Well, something was going on. Uh, <laughs> after, of course, after the shooting, she says as the reason why I don't like Mondays, this livens up the day. That's yeah. what she said. Yeah, because there was a, a reporter that was just calling random houses in the neighborhood, uh, and she ended up uh, answering the phone. And when <sighs> she asked her, you know, why are you doing this? She said, I don't like Mondays. Livens up the day. And of course, later that year, Bob Geldof, who was then the leader of the Boomtown Rats, who were uh, an Irish punk band, but, you know, they kind of went into more of a poppy territory, wrote I Don't Like Mondays. Okay. That song was number one in the UK for four weeks straight. Did people, huge, huge hit. Did people know that it was based off of this murder? Absolutely. So, and that was already, because we talk about like the true crime boom, how weird it no, is. Man. All, but this Remember, has been going on for a minute. Hey man, nice shot. That was based off of the senator blowing his brains out. The grunge oh, Bud classic. Dwyer, Bud Dwyer, uh, the uh, the man who was mm-hmm. in charge of the finances there. Yeah, yes. I mean there were plenty of bands around that time that were uh, writing songs about killers. Like the Dead Boys had a pretty good song about Son of Sam. Uh, so there were some punk album. There were some punk artists that were getting into all this shit. Uh, but yeah, Bob Geldof wrote "I Don't Like Mondays." It was a huge hit in the UK, huge hit in Ireland. Uh, did not hit the top forty in the United States, mm. but it did get a lot of radio play everywhere except san diego i where all of this happened yes <laughs> right. yes uh but bob geldoff like later and bob geldoff uh you know he uh, eventually went on uh, to do like live aid and okay can uh, i i personally and correct me if i'm wrong but bob geldoff is one of the biggest scam artists in music history right uh, because no one got any money from live aid yeah i mean that there's a lot of uh debate as to uh, what Bob Geldof did with all the money for Live Aid and whether he paid any taxes on the money and, and if it is actually a scam or not or if him and Bono were laughing their, laughing their way to the Ugh. bank because Bob Geldof works with Bono uh, quite a bit. He's but, such a scammer. Bob, uh, Bono is the musical version of Mother Teresa. He's mm-hmm. a scammer. He's mm-hmm. a liar. He ain't helping the poor. But Bob Geldof, after I Don't Like Mondays became a hit, uh, the killer, what's her name, Spencer? Is Spencer, that her? Brenda Spencer. Brenda Spencer wrote him a letter uh, thanking him for writing the song because he made her famous. Uh, and he did not feel good about that. Yeah, but that's what it's he hard says because anyway. that's, I mean, you know, technically it's the business we're in as well. So that is the, <laughs> it just works. It's technically yeah. it's inspiration and it, and it worked and, and she did it to be super snarky and they're a punk band. Well, it's a very, I mean, it's not a punk song. It's a, it's a very heartfelt piano based song. Mm. And, and I actually, I, I love the song. It's great. And it is like a very heartfelt exploration of a tortured mind because Brenda Ann Spencer did have uh, temporal lobe damage. She got a new uh, bicycle accident. Her brain just wasn't fucking put together right. You know, it was firing on some bad cylinders. And she'd also been abused horribly, you know, growing up. Like, she had a bad fucking life. And, you know, Bob Geldof wrote a pretty heartfelt song about that. You know, she definitely needs to be held responsible for, you know, 
shooting eight children mm-hmm. and killing uh, two adults. Uh, but it's a it's a great little exploration into uh, into a sick mind. And the Boomtown Rats, like as far as punk bands go, they're all right. Like looking out for number one's pretty good. Uh, but if you want to hear real the but if you want to hear the real fucking story of British punk, we have an upcoming series on The Damned <gasps> on No Dogs in Space. We just recorded the first episode. It's fucking great. Can't wait for it to come out. It's going to be coming out uh, series after next. So awesome. It's going to be very fucking cool. All right. Yes, keep on support. Very sweet. Yeah, I'll keep on supporting No Dogs in Space. Well, speaking of music, what do you think, H-Bone? Should we have uh, Marcus regale us with a certain tale of death yes, metal near Oh, yeah. Do it. Well, of course, everyone uh, heard our Norwegian black metal episodes, of course, about all of the, the murders that happened way back in the day with Varg Vikernes uh, and Euronymous and all those guys. Dead. Uh, but there were further murders past those, uh, past the ones that everybody knows about. Were they copycat murders? Or? No, but it was in the same scene. Okay. Like It was other black metal musicians that also figured, hey, I can kill a guy too. And one of the most fascinating involved a guy named Jon Nutveit. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I think it's a very common name there. Jon- <laughs> I don't know. Jon Nutveit was a Swedish black metal musician who murdered a man named Josef Ben Medor in Gothenburg, Sweden in July of 1997 in what was most likely a homophobic hate crime, much like the murder that black metal musician Faust committed in Lillehammer in 1992. Mm. Of course, Faust was involved in all the church burnings that were happening way back then. However, while the murder Faust committed was purely homophobic, Notevite was one of those dudes who took his own brand of goofy Satanism so seriously that it probably had at least something to do with the murder of Yosef Ben Medor. Okay. When you say goofy Satanism, uh, like, what do you, like, what does that mean? I'll get into the, how okay. goofy this Satanism is because it does have its own flavor. Okay. See, Notevite, besides being a member of the melodic black death metal band Dissection, was also a known member of the Temple of Black Light, a.k.a. the Misanthropic Luciferian Order. A.k.a. the light that sees all the cum on your bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the snowman light. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was also a member of a uh, Swedish street gang called the Werewolf Legion. Uh, no! <laughs> I thought a Swedish street gang was just called Carolers. Aww. <laughs> Now, the MLO, the Misanthropic Luciferian Order, is a far cry from the sort of Satanism practiced by people like Anton LaVey, as Nutvite absolutely despised LaVey and everything America's Church of Satan stood for. What was the, he doesn't like the power bottom thing? What was the issue? <laughs> well, Aleister Crowley was the power bottom. Mm-hmm. Anton LaVey just poorly kept a lion. <laughs> I see. That's his whole thing. Like he Joe liked Exotic. the big boobies. Oh. He liked big old boobies, and he liked to suck on them as much as possible. Okay. Well, Anton LaVey's Satanism, it's more of like a philosophical thought exercise wrapped in fun ritual. Would you say that's fair, Henry? I would say, yes, it is definitely the campier form of Satanism, which is the idea of playing with character and and ritual all at the same time. They understand that you can you can be bigger than yourself and be sort of like a almost cartoonish kind of I, I don't know how you'd even put it. It's like it's 
he puts the fun in it and yeah. showmanship in it. Okay. Yeah, it's fun and show because Anton Lavey was a, a former uh, circus barker, new, hell of a calliope player. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think with with. The American Satan is with the Church of Satan. Like, Satan is a metaphor. Like, Satan, they're not actually worshiping, like, the actual Luciferian Satan. They don't believe that God exists and Satan exists. And, you know, they can pray to Satan for, you know, favors and such. Like, okay. it's, all, uh, it's all a game, essentially. But- You're using Satan as, a, as, like, an allegorical term for the, for the forever adversary, yeah. for the maligned one, for the yeah. person who's never had their story told. And then what I talk about a little bit in last book on the left about the concept of we that God in the original story, in the Genesis story, God in the original Genesis story, the serpent, the only the real knowledge that it reveals is that humans are just pets for God. And that what it shows, and we are kept like a little pen, the Garden of Eden, which is kind of like a pen. And that what it is, is that it's supposed to be about, it's a thought experiment about putting us on the same level as God. Well, Mm -hmm. it's also a thought experience about having sex with your family, which is now (laughs) apparently what Pornhub is continuing. Yeah, you're really obsessed with this. It is disgusting. I don't know why it's happening. (laughs) You bring it up every two weeks. Because I look at Pornhub and it's always the first page and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, I have just gone, I've gone past, you just got to change your algorithm i don't click on it well you need to what you need to do is you just pay for Pornhub, and then you can tailor it to your own tastes yes yeah okay (laughs) all right (laughs) well the thing is about the mlo is that they thought of themselves as full-on magicians more in line with self-styled sorcerers like alistair crowley because these guys actually did believe in satan as a person you could talk to okay a person that you could ask favors from and satan would listen and grant you those favors if you did the rituals correctly but seeing as how they were so serious, they even took the fun parts of Crowleyan magic out of the equation. Like there wasn't like, you know, white stains and all of the fun sex stuff. It was just serious. Not even with the black light, huh? No white stains <laughs> then even, huh? I will say I've gotten some further information on uh, Thalema and the concept of some of the sex stuff was actually allowed out to shadow some more of this more serious principles. Hmm. That Alistair Crowley actually... L- he kind of leaned in to all of the more of the people painting him as this grand pervert, like this like ultimate hedonist as a essentially a screen for the real work that went past. And it's it's very interesting because we say that the idea is that they talk about the sword and the cup being the, the dick and the pussy. Mm-hmm. It's more that the sword is the tongue and the cup is the mouth. Oh. Well, you never know. I just see a sword and I see a cup. <laughs> we just do that. <laughs> so during mine and Carolina's wedding, when we did the sword and the cup, that you just saw the sword and the cup, you did not see any beautiful symbolism there? I have no idea why you stabbed that cup. <laughs> it's about fucking. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> well, the MLO, their brand of Satanism is somewhere between ritualistic magic and the sort of things believed by serial killer Richard Ramirez. Uh-oh. See, Ramirez believed that the 14 absolutely brutal murders he committed made Satan happy because Satan was Richard's imaginary friend going all the way back to his teenage years. I mean, of course, it's an excuse and everything, and it's just Richard Ramirez switching, you know, the Catholic God of his uh, childhood with, you know, the Catholic Satan so he wouldn't have to feel bad about murdering people. He'd just kind of give in to his most base impulses. Mm -hmm. But still, it was seeing Satan as a very real figure. 
Furthermore, Ramirez also lived his life completely on the fringes of society because he believed Satanism set him apart from the squares, and the MLO believed very much the same. They believed that a true Satanist can't be a part of modern society because modern society is founded upon lies. <gasps> oh, yes. Yeah, dude. And yeah, dude. <laughs> Watch above majestic. I just did. And there's a lot of lies in there. Like, did you even did you know that Abraham Lincoln could suck his own cock? <laughs> there's a lot of lies that, that we've been taught by schools. Interesting. <laughs> in fact, they think that the very fabric of what we perceive to be reality is a lie in and of itself, because they believe that the state of capital C chaos being infidimensional and pandimensional is the true state of being, rather than our paltry perception, which only allows for three spatial dimensions and one linear time dimension. Do you get that, Ben? I mean, I I get that they are just sitting in a basement somewhere thinking about this stuff. It does sound like uh, a mismatch of also some Discordianism as well. Yeah. It, well, it's With very, the worship of chaos. Yeah. They call it neo-gnosticism. All right. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Fucking call me when you've roasted your own coffee beans. All right? And then we'll start throwing around the fancy names. That is chaos. Right from your grave. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me 
to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and Maron did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for, you can see it with the Blue Nile. Bling, she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. Now I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. From your and as far as I can tell, the MLO believed that one could reach that plane of chaos through what else but misanthropy. And some, like Nutveet and others in the MLO, started believing that murder was the height of misanthropy. Ooh. Or so I assume. I don't know that for certain. That's just what I'm inferring from their actions and their words. Okay. Yes, it seems that the, the idea of doing something that's so, which I actually kind of understand, because what it does is those kind of actions 
they do isolate you from humankind. Yeah. You're breaking the ultimate taboos, which is kind of like why we see a lot of serial killers slide into cannibalism, where they, at least they'll admit to cannibalism, or they want to tell you that they're a cannibal to get some kind of fucking reaction out of you because it's the ultimate fucking deviancy. Right, yeah. right. Except these guys are using misanthropy as a way to like supercharge their rituals. Like okay. they believe that being a misanthrope gives them power because that's their whole belief system. Being a misanthrope causes chaos. Mm-hmm. You, when you cause chaos, you're able to reach the plane of chaos. Um for some reason. These are the kind uh, of look guys. at this. I went to the, the pepper section. I wanted to buy some fresh peppers to make some salsa, but they threw a couple of habaneros in with my jalapeno bag, and they don't even know charged me for just the jalapenos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the bit of power for the devil. <laughs> Ultimate chaos. Well, I had a I had a girlfriend break up with me in college. I've said this on the shirt because she told me that I she was a misanthrope. Mm-hmm. And she broke up with me in a graveyard, and she said yeah. she hated it humankind and that's why we couldn't date anymore and it turns out she was just dating some six foot guy right as well that uh-huh. is a this is a strange way of calling you fat it's a very <laughs> oh you're a misanthrope did the, huh. did it work out between them no 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 he was used to that she she's got a happy family now i think yeah no, no that was actually that's one of the nicest excuses that a person can give it's not you i hate everyone yeah it's i actually, hate all humankind yeah she tried but i knew it was me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no i understand <laughs> Well, in other words, John Nitvite and his buddy Vlad, who are the topics of today's discussion, mm-hmm. got way into dark magician LARPing. And that fantasy world that they created quite possibly gave them the justification they needed to murder. LARPing started this? Uh, well, I mean, that's the thing. It is. Well, I mean, you could call it LARPing. But on the other hand, there are still Christians the world over to this day that use the Bible as justification for killing gay people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look no further than fucking Uganda. I mean, this oh shit goodness. happens all over the world. Well, a quick side note. if you The evangelical community in this country do have some power, but they have a lot of power in places like... Africa, they get a lot of people elected, and that is why they're so nefarious and so awful. They still pass legislation. They just passed legislation this uh, past year that allowed uh, the murdering of gay people mm-hmm. in African countries. So they are horrible and very powerful still, despite the fact they are slightly on the outskirts of our modern society. That's right. But very, very intense LARPing has led to some of the worst crimes. In human history, like the Nazis, you go as far as almost call them as an extreme LARP at some point. An extreme LARP. (laughs) Extreme LARP. Where they went to, because they they started with their sort of theosophical views. If you believe in the whole occult side of Nazism, which we've covered before in our white people nerds episodes we did very, very long time ago. (laughs) But there's something about these thought processes, especially... Some of this extreme dark magic because it becomes very fascist like. Yes, it's it's a lot of that. Really, it really attracts that type of mentality, like people who think that like we're going to bully people and that actually gives us power. Well, I found we're, out, and it does for a while. But what it ends up doing is also creates a bunch of people supremely mad at you, and you're creating enemies. You're you're you're, which they also believe is what charges them up. I have decided I'm going to change my Pornhub algorithm by searching Extreme LARP and just see what that gives me. I'm just going to search it every day for a month and see what the front page looks like from here on out. Have you never explored the cosplay category? You should. No, it's, it's very innocent. Oh, it's I a don't, lot of fun. I actually, I don't care. You do, oh, well, I don't like the, uh, I don't like have it. You ever, it's not, have you ever been on Wood Rocket? No. 
What is Wood it's Rocket? <laughs> oh, I, don't right. win, I don't want to always spread all of my porn secrets, but it's a oh, good I one. Just... It's innocent. It's like nice. <laughs> just, the, the cosplay stuff is just strange to me. Why is it strange? I just like strange? It's humans. fantasy. I like human beings. You got to get some imagination. No, now. I have They're a not very just animals animals fun stuff. <laughs> no, they can also cosplay as other like hot chick. No, characters. I know it's yeah. all Harley Quinn and stuff. I got it. Yeah, well, that's I know part that. Of it. I mean, Riley Reed as Harley Quinn is pretty nice, man. I'll also it just is. watch Riley Reed as Riley Reed. Yeah, but but it's, it's fun when they're using a voice. She also has a, she has a great <laughs> But I'm has, a character actor. <laughs> yep. Riley so Reed has a good uh, a good podcast as a matter of fact about pornography. No shit. I love Riley Reed. I'll She's check, wonderful. I'll no, check it out. Imagine me in a porn just going, "It's a me." I'm Mario. <laughs> yeah. Doing that yeah, well, I'm Mario. so happy you showed up, Mario, because my oh, toilet no. needs some plumbing. I did not know yeah. I was doing a scene with the King of Koopa. Yeah, oh, yeah. no. No, this is not the plumbing Lunch. I wanted to do today. Yeah, I got a, I got a lot of shit in my pipes. <laughs> oh, no. Where is the picture? <laughs> well, the occult ceremonies of the misanthropic Luciferian order. And by the way, Jon Notveit narrated every single occult ceremony. He was the guy. <laughs> he was the guy that Good. was reading all of the instructions. He was reading all. He was doing all of the incantations and all that shit. All right. Uh, these ceremonies included meditations, uh, invocations of demons. They even fucking sacrificed cats oh. which they uh, bought from classified ads. Leave them alone! So you had these fucking black metal guys like calling up numbers and showing up at someone's door for cats. Nothing's like, tough about right. killing a cat. Whatever you fucking want to do, buddy. I mean, I mean, I, it's against it, but they don't understand they're not, they're not actually doing anything within magic by killing cats. No, you're just being mean no. to a cat. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. It's it's part of their cosplay. It's part of their LARP, where it's like I, they but, are try, they are doing it, something that is wrong, that is taboo, yeah. and it makes them feel good. But isn't LARPing and cosplay the illusion of violence and the illusion of war? If you really start doing it, you're just killing a cat. Hmm. I don't you're know. No, it's no longer cosplay. If you're Deadpool I mean, and you actually now you're shoot actually a bunch putting of people, me in a, but that doesn't mean you're Deadpool. Place. No, it doesn't mean you're Deadpool. No. no, I know. But if you say I'm Deadpool and I'm playing like I'm going to shoot a bunch of people, but then you really shoot a bunch of people, that's like what they just did because they actually killed the cat. But you're not Deadpool. If I tape a bunch of knives to my fucking fist and stab someone, I'm not Wolverine. I, they would call you the Wolverine killer. <laughs> they would. I mean, they would. So you would kind of through be magical thinking. In a way, you are Wolverine. Yeah, in a way, you are. <laughs> if you do believe that you're Wolverine. So, yes, this is a... Now, I'm completely lost. Because I, I, you're technically weirdly correct. <laughs> but there was one other dude in the MLO who was taking all this bullshit just as seriously as Yon. His real name was Victor Draconi. But his MLO name was Nemesis Koshnude Sheris. <laughs> Although most people God. just called him Vlad. It's just well, hard okay, to hold get on somebody to say. <laughs> if you're going to Vlad, if you're going to make up your own nickname, it needs to be short. Yeah, yes, definitely. It can't be long. Well, but, no, it's a, but Nemesis Kosh Nude Sharis is great for ceremonies. Sure. Like, Dost thou concur, Nemesis Kosh Nude Sharis? Yes. Yes, I do. I do think we should get salads from Chopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I have had a lot of bread this week. Aww. And I can really use some greens. Chopped but, stock is down again because people are off their diets. Uh, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. But actually, either any one of those names could be good for a ceremony. Like, dost thou concur, dost thou concur, frata Victor Draconi. Yeah. You know what they're horrible for? 
You know what they're horrible for? Job interviews. That's what they're horrible for, those <laughs> names. Not and you know to what get you jobs, need? Buddy. Jobs in order to make money, and I understand. They probably have it's enough like a, money. It's like a face tattoo. You're getting it to ease the burden of getting jobs. You yeah. better be able you don't to. Want, you don't want to get these jobs. You better be able to rap. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Shane Smith, who's a, uh, a fan of the show, he's got a lot of face tattoos. It's half his bit. Okay, I mean, I'm, I am not against a good face tattoo, honestly. Yeah. It's a, if you're committed and uh, if, if your lifestyle fits it, yeah. you can also monetize it. Not to be like Mr. Capitalist, yeah. but you can. <laughs> I, my tattoo artist, Timmy B, has uh, wonderful face tattoos. I know, I'm still mad you're covering up the bad tattoo, though. <laughs> I know, I like his bad tattoo. <laughs> but, it, hey, Timmy's doing some fucking great work. It's amazing. Of course. Uh, What's the name of his tattoo shop? Uh, Night Owl Tattoos out there in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. They do fucking great work there, and they're all... All, uh, listeners of the show. So thank you very much for listening, Night Owl. I'll be back soon. Hi, Night nice. Owl Tattoos. I have a tattoo I'd like to get. Yeah, it's mm. on my body. Yeah. <laughs> you you going to get, get a tattoo? No, I'm not going to get any tattoos. My whole body is a series of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. So in the weeks leading up to the murder, Vlad had been getting more and more fanatical. And it was his idea that the group should perform a series of human sacrifices and follow it up with a big old group suicide. Oh, Jesus. Because that's going to be what yeah, Satan man. likes the most. But then- Absolutely. You're trying to be the most misanthropic as possible, killing yourself is the best way to show how much you hate yourself and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, some of the members of the NMLO, like Nerdvite, were totally into it. And those that were ready to go attended a meeting at Nerdvite's apartment where they made a list of possible victims for sacrifice. Among the targets for assassination were Nerdvite's girlfriend, members of Nerdvite's band Dissection... <laughs> And a former member of the MLO who decided that the life just wasn't for him. So it seems to me, guys, that we're just killing our friends. Uh, Have we thought about going maybe heads of state? Maybe we should take them out or the police commissioner. But do you remember like when you first brought brought that new basis when back in the Cowman days? Mm -hmm. You had that new bassist and he's in there and he's kind of just kind of a free-willing guy who just likes eating pussy and, and, you know, just just like a normal dude. And all of a sudden you're just like playing with stuff and you're like... So I've been thinking of this new, like, super dark bass run that we could do for Vlad the Destroyer, you know, track two and stuff. Wait a second. Did I just overhear you guys say that you're going to fucking kill me, bro? Because I have a shift at the coffee shop in, like, six hours. I can't fucking leave them in a lurch. I love your I love your Norwegian Hispanic Spanish? accent. I don't know what happened. And, I mean, dissections. I mean, they're pretty good. Are they? Uh, I mean, as far as uh, that genre goes, you know, melodic black death metal. I uh, like melodic uh, death metal. I like the melodic black metal a little bit more than the straight noise yeah. black metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, you, you'd really love uh, you'd really love dissection. Check them out. Yeah, the check out uh, the Sumberlane or Storm of the Lights Bane. Uh, both of those are, are pretty good. Nice. Okay. Now, as it goes, most of the people in the MLO were just there because it was something fun to do. Sure. Like magic's a real fun hobby for a lot it of is. people. And the people who were just into the ritualistic nature of the MLO wanted no part of actual murder or mass suicide. They're like, we're fucking out, guys. We're not because they didn't want to die and they didn't want to kill anyone. 
I'm literally just trying to get laid here, bro. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Like, I'm just in a metal band. <laughs> but even with the defections, murder was still very much on Vlad and Nutveit's mind in the weeks and months leading up to the death of Yosef ben Mador. On the night of July 22nd, 1997, Nutveit and Vlad were walking home after a night of drinking when they were stopped by a man asking if they were Satanists based on how they were dressed. It was a pickup line. <gasps> yes, I am. How'd you <laughs> know? <laughs> the man's name was Yosef Ben Mador. And when Nutveit and Vlad said they were indeed Satanists, Mador said he wanted to know more about their cult. At first, they declined, but when Mador insisted, they invited him back to Nutveit's place. Now, I've seen this hotel documentary before. This is, <laughs> really? what, this is a really good role. This is the way to do this. Yeah. Two Satanists, no cups, because they don't have any dishes. <laughs> <laughs> but while they were on their way, it became obvious that Mador was gay. And unbeknownst to the musicians, the place where they'd met him so late at night was a well-known gay hookup spot. Two... So Mador was correct to make assumptions here. Two homophobes in a gay bar? Well, accidentally? It wasn't a gay bar, it was like a park. Like this was oh. ba- this was back in the days like in the early 90s when, you know, there weren't a whole lot of gay bars around, so gay guys would sometimes have to go to gay hookup spots right. like parks or rest stops or wherever uh, because they couldn't be seen in public. They couldn't be seen in a public place. So, in order to hide their sexuality, mm-hmm. they would have to introduce themselves into these highly dangerous situations which a lot of times would end up in either savage beatings or just straight up fucking murder. Okay. So sad. It's very very sad. sad. It's very sad. I'm glad things aren't quite as bad today. Now, of course, being terrible people, Vlad and Nutveit got all angry and offended when they finally figured it out. And by the time they got to Nutveit's house, Mador refused to go inside. He said, I'm not having any fucking part of this. I I don't, you guys aren't into it. I'm not into it. Let's, I'm just going to go. So, Nutveit and Vlad said they'd be more than happy to continue their discussion of Satanism at nearby Keeler's Park. And it's assumed that Mador felt as if he didn't have a choice. We don't really know what Mador was thinking at this point. But isn't, like, they all they want to do is freak out the squares. At this point, being gay is still edgy. It's still, you know, not necessarily a mainstream no, it's super. Um, sexual it's the ideology. ultimate fucking deviance at the time. So, you figured that they would all work together. That's the weird. Like I didn't know there was a know. homophobic the, bend well, to Satanism because aren't they supposed to be opposite of evangelical or religious? Well, the first thing, no. the, the first right wing, yeah, weird the fir- shit. Exactly. It's weird. it's the well. The first thing about it is that like Satanism as a concept is far reaching. There's a lot of different brands of Satanism, just like there's a lot of different brands of Christianity. Okay. Uh, and second of all, yeah, as Henry said, the um, a lot of these Norwegian black metal guys like it's right wing shit. Right. These are right wing dudes. They're that. actually very conservative. Uh, and there's so also weird. a masculine aspect to it where they believe that they must be masculine in order to i don't know in order to impress their fucking buddies hey man, uh, like, the it, leather bar i was at in my uh, during christmas that my brother loves to go to was very masculine i'll tell <laughs> you that. very masculine, very masculine. i don't masculine. mess with them <laughs> yeah but there there was the idea that you know if uh you're gay then you're not a man uh and then they of course took it even further by saying if you're gay you're subhuman we identify as archie bunker satanists uh you know 
we just think he's got a lot of funny jokes and some good truths too. <laughs> Back in simpler times, that's when it was fun when you could say all the fun words and all the bad stuff and still watch my football game. Yep. <laughs> and worship Satan. Marriage is between one man, one woman, and a goat. <laughs> well, Medor said, all right, fine, I'll go to the park with you. But before they left, Nutveit went inside his house and grabbed both a taser and a pistol. Then once they got to the park out of public view, Nutveit handed the gun to Vlad and tased Yosef ben Medor. Medor tried running away, but Vlad shot him in the back before handing the gun back to Nutveit so he could finish the job with a final shot to the head. Shot him in the frickin' back as well. Just insult to injury on that. Yeah, coward's move. Now, the two might have gotten away with it, if not for the fact that Vlad was an even bigger piece of shit than he'd already proved to be. In December, he beat his girlfriend half to death and threatened to kill her. But he did this after telling her about the murder he committed the previous July. He was proud of it. Of course. Yeah, of course. You got to tell someone, or did it even happen? Mm. So the girlfriend went to the police station and spilled the beans about the shooting of Yosef Ben Medor in Keeler's Park. And when the cops arrested Notvite, they found a human skull in his apartment and tacked on a charge of possession of human parts. Did where did that come from? No idea. No idea. So, okay. Is it Good like to know. New York with weed, where it's like. You can have the body parts, but you can't purchase the body parts or smoke the body parts in public. Yeah, you're saying was the skull decriminalized? (laughs) Yes. Well, both Notvite and Vlad were convicted, but since this was Sweden and their criminal punishment system is lax to say the least, they only received sentences of 10 years, and both of them were out in seven. That's the comp. That's the issue between over-incarcerating and under-incarcerating. you got to find that sweet spot. A, and that is, that, is, a sweet spot. that is a sour spot to me. You know, I, yes. bet, I bet the Germans have the sweet spot. If we're looking around for criminal, I don't know. No, they have, well, they've improved. The modern Germans. I yes, of say. course. Yeah. The modern Germans. <laughs> no, well, they, they definitely, they I think they went extreme one end. Mm-hmm. And now anything that they do on the other end helps kind of pull it. Pull it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they do have a fairly decent criminal justice system now. Well, following their release from prison, Notvite called up his buddies in dissection and got the band back together. Oh, what a Blues, cool. blues Brothers <laughs> sta- uh, story. And in 2006, they recorded an album co-written by the Magister Templi of the misanthropic Luciferian Order, named the album Rain Chaos. Now, oh. they're still together? Uh, no, because Not later... Not the band, they- but the group. The group, uh, as far as I know, I mean, all of this is like 2006. Haven't heard. I'll get here in a little bit. The last thing that I heard from them. Uh, But yeah, they they might still be together. I don't fucking know. But later that year, Nortvite was found dead in his apartment inside a circle of candles, killed by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Open in front of him was a satanic grimoire named the Liber Azerate, which was written by the same dude who wrote the lyrics for Dissection's last album. Well, he didn't even write the only, he didn't write his own lyrics. Well, no, the uh, Magister Templi co-wrote the lyrics oh, to okay. Rain Chaos with Note Fight. 
As far as his motivations for killing himself went, we can surmise those from Notevite's earlier statements about suicide. This is the dumbest shit I ever heard. Okay. Really? <laughs> We've been, we have been recording for a long time. This must be really good. He believed that a true Satanist must kill themselves when they have reached the peak of their lives in order to transcend this earthly existence and, I don't know, become a fucking demon or something. He makes Marshall Applewhite seem the reasonable one. (laughs) You know what, though? What a good way to convince your asshole buddy to commit suicide. (laughs) He has been spouting this dumb horseshit forever, and then finally you just, you have to be back in this band with this guy, and you know that he's being insufferable as humanly possible now that he beat his rap like now that he's walking around like as a fucking murderer and 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 lording it all over everybody like fucking vlad vikernis did in his youtube videos his like smug like let's take a look let's listen to this like his like let's let's find out let's find out his fucking (laughs) bullshit and so at some point he just wrote he's like uh yeah actually i got the transmission from satan last night who said it would be most fucking evil if you commit suicide. <laughs> what? Is that true? Yeah, apparently if you do it with your brain or something, you kill your brain. You become a demon on the other side. It's totally true. It's totally very real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. A double dog dare you to do it. Oh, no, I can't get out. Yeah, I- here's the thing. is that I've written a couple of articles for some metal zines. I've put out three fair to middling black metal albums three? over the course of about three years. Uh, over incre- the course of about ten years. It, yeah, That's it's, incredible. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, so I think this is a peak. This is as good yeah. as it's going to get. So I think now it's time to become a demon. You guys have both peaked. So just <laughs> take care of it. I tell you what. Oh, Chrissy Teigen liked my tweet. She is the ultimate in comedy. I guess I have to commit suicide now and become a leather-winged demon. So much fun. You've peaked. Frenchie in the News commented, or they liked one of my DMs that I sent to them. Frenchie in the News. That's very nice. Monsters Holding Bitches really loves no dogs in space, so that's cool. Awesome. (laughs) And you know who loves them? Slash. There you go. I'm like one fucking Instagram step from Slash right now, so... Honestly, I think I might have reached my peak. We're all we're all one Instagram away. Have from you been Slash. following Slash? <laughs> of course, I've all he does is butts. He loves he loves cartoon boobs, uh-huh. butts, yep. and um, he's Slash. Man. He's Slash. He's great. He's Slash, man. Yeah. Well, as far as Vlad goes, he wrote a book for the Temple of the Black Light in 2008 called Lieber Falksphere, or I think it's Lieber Falksphere. I don't know. No one knows, man. Yeah, but that was about the cult of the left-handed reaper, a.k.a. the skeletal lord of the bloody Sith. (laughs) (laughs) There is something fun about it. Yes, I get that. And you can learn rituals involving said reaper uh, if you want to read that book. Uh, And as far as what Vlad's doing today, 12 years later, I got no fucking clue. That was the last that I saw from the Temple of the Black Light. All right. There, there, I think they are still going and i think it's like there are some black metal musicians who still follow temple of the black light it's one of those it's one of those things it's one of those things <laughs> it's like the black metal version of scientology i don't know cool. it's like where they oh this is like the big one that you want to join we'll knock this wow. off of your ben kissel bingo last podcast does not condone or what did you? I don't. We don't condone what they did. No, of course we don't condone what they did. No, no, no we don't no. follow this group. I gotta listen to this album so and see how good it is. You'll yeah. like. What if it? Yeah, what if it turns out? Good. 
What if it turns out Vlad now works for like Spotify? <laughs> deep inside of the, because I feel like it would be a kind of, they, they could hire somebody from deep inside the black metal community. I mean, they're a Swedish company, so it, it's possible. Speaking of Spotify, we will be exclusive February 14th. I'm sure they're going to love that segue. And we are very <laughs> excited about this. And um, I don't know. What, I mean, you know. It'll be great. Nothing's I mean, going to change. It's all free. Download. You, you guys have heard the spiel. I mean, the cool thing about you know the, the Spotify move is like moving to Spotify is why I'm able to do a show like No Dogs in Space. Like it is a d- absolute A to B. Like it's going to allow us over the next couple of years to do so many fucking cool things with the network, things that we've been wanting to do for forever. Uh, so yeah, it's super fucking cool for us. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything? We have our live shows in April. Check those out. You can find all the dates on our our website last podcast. I'm really excited about this group workshop Spotify wants us to go to upstate. <laughs> they said yeah, we're yeah. only flying out. It's uh-huh. mandatory for all of us. Uh-huh. And apparently there's this fun thing called the spank machine. No kidding. <laughs> did you get they're the, gonna do. Did you get the email about bringing four gallons of peanut butter? Oh, is this an acting job? <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's Relaxed Fit. We will be back next week with more of the content you love. Keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Uh, Yep, we'll see you all in April. I have some potential Hail Yourself America dates coming up, but I will announce those when those happen. Also, Tuesday, we the tickets will be live for Patreon for our Austin show. Yes. In 2019, finally. Yes. Finally, 2020. Uh, Finally, it will be done. Austin... Uh, we apologize for the delay. Honestly, yeah. it's really not. It's Wasn't a, our doing. It's above our pay grade. There's yeah. a thing called the comedy mafia, <laughs> uh, which is a true thing. Uh, so yes, Austin, you will be able to get tickets. Uh, so thanks for your patience. Yes. Thank you for waiting. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Let's do a Magoose Delations. Magoose Delations. Also, I, me. also, I did see on, uh, on like the breakdown of last podcast on the left, they say Ed Gein was a guest. And I <laughs> was, was like, cute. what that a fantasy. Fun. That was real fun. Although We're giving a, him an IMDb page. He would be a horrible podcast guest because you'd just be like. Could be. Mm-hmm. Just staring. Might be. That's true. Might be. That's so, true. Ed, uh, did you kill your brother? Might be that happened. Henry, any other questions for Ed? <laughs> oh, Ed, tell me, what kind of tacos do you like? <laughs> that is Might be I like Chipotle. Oh, wow. Oh, he was. That's the most disgusting thing I know about you, Ed. <laughs> Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.